Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. We are back with part two of John Goff's interview. If you thought part one was weird, wait until you hear part two. We talk about so many woo things like witchcraft. In fact, we get really into witchcraft, the power of magic and Aleister Crowley and where he went wrong. Trigger warning real quick about the Aleister Crowley part. We do talk about his sex magic, and it may be a tad graphic for some listeners, so just a heads up there. We also talk about the importance of staying grounded and humble when you're practicing magic. We go into breath work and his advice about where you should start with breath work. And then we get really weird and talk about why Earth is so enticing to other entities, including the Fae and aliens and, and, and. He shares his direct experiences with aliens and how he went insane for a full year and a half after he had a near-death experience, an NDE. And I was going to tell you, but I'm not going to spoil it, but it does have something to do with entities from another dimension, one specifically who is allegedly related to him, who called him back and did something to his brain. So when he came back to life on this planet, he was a completely different person and unable to manage, quote unquote, reality. So it gets really weird. They're all weird, but we get really into it. You should listen to part one probably before this one so you can get kind of a background on John Goff. In that first one, we talk about his horrendous experiences with sexual abuse, physical abuse, and how he was four years old when an entity first visited him, his struggles with autism and Tourette's. And then we go right into his extensive experiences with plant medicine, ayahuasca and shrooms. He's done them over 400, 500 times each, which is insane. I can't even. He's a martial artist, mystic healer, husband, friend to many, and a man ready to slap the veil of illusion in the face. So without further ado, let's get into part two with John Goff. Let's talk about witchcraft. You were like ancient blood magic. And yeah, I got this shit from this lady. Or well, you had the shit already, but this lady told you about it. And then you start going into researching because it sounds like that's a theme in your life. You have the background of some ceremonial shit with Freemasonry, but then do you get right into Aleister Crowley? Like, or, or you start with Wicca? What what's comes up first? Because I had all those visions of Egypt and beyond, the first thing I do is go like, okay, wait a minute. If this is this ideal of Hekka 
or more ancient power in my blood, this magical things and why I'm doing things nobody else is doing and why people are giving me a lot of shit for it. Because, you know, people are already telling me you're doing magic, you're not doing energy work. You know, it's like, you don't want people to know you're doing black magic or witchcraft or white magic. You just, you want to say you're doing Qigong and, and Reiki so you can perform all this other stuff. Well, I had all the training for that stuff, but I didn't have the training up to that point for the magical realm. So that's why I wanted to research into Egyptian rites and other rites and things that I'd uh, been exposed to with some of these groups that I participated in. I didn't, I didn't jump into anything with um, of, of the wicked nature. I started studying covens you know, and, my, and groups and other orders. That whole purpose was for expansion. So I studied what would be considered Egyptian covens or secret ceremonial groups. And then I wanted to understand covens or group, you know, in Europe. And, you know, and then I started getting into hoodoo. Then I started getting into voodoo. And then I got into the doo-doo. I literally, it's called doo-doo. <laughs> no, it isn't. Is yeah, it? Yeah, it, 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 it's called doo-doo. So, <laughs> Aji, so, so, so Aji doo-doo is that I'm like, in itself is that I'm, it's about witches. So you have, you have black doo-doo, red doo-doo, is that I'm like, you have green doo-doo, they have different colors doo-doo, which is the different paths of a versatile of being black energy, dip energy. So and some people said it was like, man, you got the doo-doo. Yeah, I really got into the doo-doo. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> That's cute. So you started researching this and then? I want to start to find similarities of points. What was magic? What was energy? And then I got some really, really good teachers. And we started something as basic as, okay, what does basic candle magic look like? It's one thing, light candles and, you know, and okay, I'm just going to say a couple of words and I'm going to read out of the book. No, I'm not talking some, like, like some baseline wicked stuff. It was, how do you cast a circle? Why is a circle important? I know why a square is important in Freemasonry. And then I know why this is important in this art or in this fraternity. And then I started seeing that the deeper I got into, into the realms of magic, oh my God, Freemasons are doing magic. This group is doing magic. A lot of religious people, they're doing incantations. They're doing magic. They don't even know what the fuck they're doing half the time because they want to claim it's something else, but it's so similar in nature. Mm-hmm. So I learned, you know, the proper use of casting the square properly and casting the circle properly and why geometry was needed. And then, you know, you're not just using a candle and standing at a candle. What's the symbolism of the flame? What's the symbolism of the smoke? And understand the power of the symbolism and the power in the breath, the power of the word spoken and what happens. And especially with blood, all magic comes out of price. And that, that is one of those ancient teachings you find everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's Egypt or some little small coven in England. Everybody teaches it. Magic comes out of price. So anytime you cast a spell or incantation or you want to do a protection spell or you just want to simply sit in the element and breathe and meditate, what is the price? So understanding sacrifice, and that's why you know a, a lot of people will always take a little, whether it's a nick, whether it's a knife, one of the little pokey tools you can use, they would always drip a little bit of blood because it, 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 like, that's not necessarily blood magic, but the little bit of blood alone is showing that you are grateful for what you're receiving. You're not abusing. You don't command the energy. You work with this energy. So when magic comes into play, anybody goes... I'm a master of magic. No, you've learned how to master working within magic to work with the magic because it, it will consume you. So when I saw people falling, sort of back to Alice Crowley, okay? Mm-hmm. I was just going to say. <laughs> so amazing. So powerful. He learned so much. 
I mean, there's stories of him, you know, walking with the man. He's talking about magic and what he learned, learned to achieve and how he'd be able to connect to people. Alistair Crowley falling down to one knee and his man in front of them falling down to one knee. And then he gets up and he looks at his friend walking with him. His friend's like, whoa, like, how do you just do that? That's amazing. He says, because, you know, this is how you connect with magic, connect to other people. So how many times do we connect? And let's off track for a second. Are we connected with people? And we find ourselves getting mad. We find ourselves getting sad or something, not even being empathetic to them, but unaware that their energy is influencing the room, that the energy itself is casting literally an energy match to spell on everybody. And everybody's being influenced. And you're like, wow, this isn't my anger. This isn't my sadness. And it's not because we can feel it and we're aware. It's because we're being influenced. And that let me get deeper into influence and magic. What exactly is magic? I can give you multiple terms. I get ways of thinking it. But if we take energy or a concept of influencing or changing anything in real time, not over time, not progressively, okay, this will work in a week to really change, to cause an, um, an alchemical change, to cause a physical change of something, an energy change at the moment in time, that's magic in real time. You just brought up Aleister Crowley, and earlier you were talking about people that fall away from witchcraft oh, yeah. and, and magic. It, it, what, are you, what are your thoughts on him? Because he's a real controversial character. He achieves so much. but And, and, and now this is where I'm going to put a lot of magical people on blast, and I'm okay with it. The, the, the fucking sex magic is it was his failure. Yeah. The sex magic is the distortion of, of energy. You know, whether he did or he didn't have anything to do with sex with underage girls or anything rapey is the whole thing of t- trying to take and share life force with multiple people. That shit is sacred. Mm-hmm. And for him, he was so much research into Egypt and, and ancient Chitin Sumeria and getting into all these very ancient things that means so much to me, it sort of mind boggles me that he would stray from all the ancient teachings, even teaching, whether it was from ancient things of Hekka, you know, like I understand now, or from the baseline of, of Kundalini, they all teach you, you don't share with everybody, you unlock it. And he would turn things into literally sex with animals, multiple sex with people, sex with other men, like these big sexual orgy fests in the name of magic took him away from from his original search and um you know in the end led him to be just a drunk cokehead who ended up dying yeah and i think that's what you were saying before that the, the magic will consume you if you don't discipline yourself i mean he was giving so much of his life force away especially his sexual life force and back to my own thing it is sacred it is pure if you're going to give it to somebody they better be giving it back but if you're going to share with everybody you have anything to give yourself and the more we share with multiple people and that's why you know even science now says it psychology can prove it don't have sex with everybody sex comes with the price because they're recognized ancient teachings they can now see the chemistry change in the body the brain chemistry change like we can scientifically see it now that the more partners you have your brain has a hard time understanding connection you will be more emotionally disconnected you are spiritually disconnected you're physically, it takes more and more and more to get stimulated. It's like guys in porn. Porn's yeah. proven to literally kill your brain. It will consume you. So not how good you feel at the moment. In the end, like you're literally destroying your whole entire body. And that's what magic will do. Magic can build you and put you into the greatest places. And you can be powerful. You can have great things. But it also means you're not abusing it. 
that means you're sharing it or you're sharing it wisely, but you're cultivating it, you're cultivating it and developing it. No different than Qigong practices, you're developing your chi or your other energy. Magic is the same way. You have to understand it and you don't control anything. I don't control anything and I'm a high fucking priest. I don't control a damn thing. I work with it. I learn it. I understand it. And that's why I get more access to it. And the deeper knowledge and mysteries are open up to me and other people. And they can't be for anybody, but you have to temper your pride, temper your ego. Because the second, if I were to go, I got it. And hordes of demons and necromancy come my way. Then I've lost everything I was, I was looking for. And I'm, I'm going to be one of those nasty looking Sith. Yeah, all covered <laughs> up and you know, and yellow eyes and shrunk and nasty because the dark side is consuming. Because there's a dark side to you know to magic and there's a light side, but there's also that place in between that people are too scared to go. It's, it's walking that path and really feeling. It's all about intent. So if I say there's no such thing as good and evil, it's all intent. So if my intent is to fucking strike somebody down who's trying to hurt my family, that's protection. But if I go and strike somebody down because I have the power to strike them down and I want to cast a curse on them, it's going to come back on me. Yeah. I spent some time with this guru in India and he was so disciplined about that sharing of energy that you just talked about that he actually would like almost smack, you know, a cup out of your hand if you were drinking out of the same cup as somebody else's. I mean, like he didn't even want the mouth to touch where another person's mouth had because he knew that that exchange was so sacred and that you didn't want your cup is your cup. Your energy is your energy and you need to protect that. I mean, it was just so out of my realm of what I knew at that time. I, I was really young and I was just like, wait, why can't we share a cup? You know, like, I don't get it. I was such a little brat. But yeah, I, I think about that a lot, that that exchange of energy and how we don't protect that and how in in circle and covens and orders, it's about protecting that energy and it's about using that energy appropriately. But if you don't, it can get really hairy and really dicey yeah. super fast. And then you have these like baby witches and stuff. And myself, I've done it myself. I mean, I've done it where I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know how to fix this. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. You know, do you come across that a lot in your circle now? Oh, completely. It comes uh, more from people who haven't done enough facilitating or uh, enough of their own work. It's that um, sometimes it, it's being overly ambitious. And, you know, they just want to, like, you know, like, let's, let's give the next thing. And I'm like, okay, here's a feather. Here's some sage. What do you <laughs> want to do with this? If you don't know what to do with it, you're not ready for the next thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's also, again, a tale as old as time, right? Like everybody yeah. wants to go higher than they're actually ready for. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I bet that you have a pretty good relationship with that, like, slow progression because of martial arts you're able to discipline yourself i mean that's all about discipline right yes if somebody's ready i have no problem you know moving along as far as like being ready in the sense that they put the time in and they understand it but if somebody legitimately isn't ready i I might you know being ready as a choice if they just if they're not grasping something it'd be irresponsible for me to give them another teaching irresponsible for me to give them a different medicine I have responsibility, you know, to be responsible and guiding anybody. So if I'm going to guide or teach or show somebody something energetic, which also has this a crossover to magic, because a lot of them is one the same, 
And if I were to show somebody, okay, we're going to move on to this candle, but now this breath of these words, and I start teaching these words, if I even hear an utterance, like if I go la alone, and if I hear la alone, dude, you're not ready, you're done. And then I'm like, I'm not teaching you how to cast bucket spells here. I, I, as far as like casting curses or doing some creepy shit, there's a time for that, but I'm not that teacher. And I will ever be that teacher for most people. And and I've been taught that stuff. I also embrace that world, but that's not an introduction you want to give somebody until they understand the foundation of humility, the ability to, to pull the energy in, to understand what magic is and isn't. And to not abuse it. Because if that place comes and you need to be like, la, 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 la. <laughs> guess what? You better be protecting your fucking family. You, it better be life and death, like something in the need. Or you better be using that to cast away demons or other energies and protecting your circle. Making sigils across your fucking house. But if that's not the case, that's not the energy you want to use. Mm-hmm. You brought up two good points. The Well, you brought up many, but... Discipline and humility, I feel like are lacking in a lot of these groups and for also the high priests and priestesses too, sometimes because the more power that they experience and feel like they have, the more potential for abusing that power. And I've seen that a lot where it's like, oh, this person looks pretty cool or interesting or wow, they're so compelling. And then you get into circle with them and you're like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That feels toxic even. Exactly. That's hard too, because humans aren't terribly good at managing power. You know, you almost have to have a background in in martial arts or something to be able to keep you grounded in humility and discipline over and over again. So when the seduction of power comes along, which it will, because it's so seductive, you can ignore it or you can allow it to pass without falling into that trap. And that also happens with Qigong and uh, the other Gong practices. So Nei Gong is, is the father art of Qigong. It's like, you know, the top is the foundation of where the Gong come from when they were mystery schools, where these crafts were also very similar to magic or witchcraft or whatever craft you want to go with in the magical realm. There's such a crossover between energy and magic. In some places, they're quite similar. They're almost the same. And some might say they are the same. Some of the other parts of magic were stripped away. And then you end up having Qigong, but they were still in mission school teachings. They weren't openly taught to everybody. And you'll find that even within the gongs, I can be breathing, do using my hands, going into mudras, and then you know, and do and do all these things, you know, going to Kundalini stuff and filling. And then it, you know, it can start being, you start feeling the heat, right? Tingle electricity running through your arms, waves that feels like like the universe is like come down through your crown chakra, and you feel like oceanic waves of the universe is moving through you when that happens you have to breathe you have to let go because if you get caught up into it it can be very addictive because then you want more and you want more and you want more and i watch people who did not have proper training or a person to guide them properly or a teacher who knew how far to take them literally go crazy because they got a chi overload I've seen it in yoga too, even. I mean, like Kundalini yoga a lot where you're uh-huh. doing a, those like Kriyas over and over again. Yes. And people who don't have teachers and, or even like you said, people who have addictive personalities or they're more sensitive to addictions. It's a short trip to get it going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then you have to have somebody come in and then do the corrective work. And I've done this corrective work. 
I correct his chakra while feeling, damn, I'm stuck here. And I'm literally watching him scream like an exorcism, trying to, I I have to go through and clear or block an area because it became so open, but they didn't have everything else open. You know, and just like with energy work, even magic, no matter what it is, these energies, even the meditation, you're opening yourselves up to whether it's uh, extraterrestrial influence, paranormal influence, divine influence, whatever influence, however you want to coin it. We open ourselves up when energy is open. Everything that either wants to have it open or doesn't want to have it open, we just open the door wide open and we're going, hello. <laughs> hey. <laughs> the thing that I want to make sure the listeners are hearing too, especially if you're interested in being in this world is that often happens what you said, where there's the the opening of the higher chakras without the lower chakras. So then you're all up here and it gets real kooky, like real fast. And Uh that's not comfortable or fun. No one wants to do that. Yeah. So I've accidentally done that myself as well, where I'm like way too up in the higher chakras and I've totally abandoned, like just even, just even the root, like it's so important, but it's back to what you said about people wanting to skip steps. They want to get to that, like really cool, like third eye and crown shit. But the truth is, is that the root chakra is just as magical. It's just as profound. It's just a little bit more grounded, and you're gonna need that shit later. And, and I'll, I'm gonna pass it on, you know, to you and some of the listeners. And the higher realms are actually the lower realms. Explain. Anybody can go up high. Anybody can. Anybody can take a substance. Anybody can meditate and start feeling the tingles. It's it, it is actually easier to go higher than it is to go lower because when we go lower. We're going directly to a divine source of what is here with us right now. Mm-hmm. When you go up higher, you have to reach. You have to, you know, really have the open. And as you're calling out to get, the, you know, what's above you and reach out and the hopes. And sometimes that creates delusions. But a person wants real power. Master that first chakra. Yeah. Ground down. Because when we're connected right here to the earth and we're grounded here and our, our, lower, our lower energies are really strong and powerful. That means anything that's connected here to us, that's not in another dimension, it's not on another planet, the dimensions here, the multiverse here around us right now, we'll have access to quicker if we mask the lower chakras, because without the lower chakras, the higher chakras don't matter, because they're higher only because they're in order. So higher doesn't mean they're more powerful, higher means they're going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, working up. So the real power as understanding the power of the lower ones, because the first chakra is a first chakra, but you also have in Japan, Hara, you have a Chinese, Tanjian, you have um, in Korea, Dunjong, this source of power in Qigong, in Neigong, in Qigong, and these power teachings, even in Kundalini, that the first chakra is where it all starts. So a little reminder, if it all starts there for multiple cultures of people, and they're all talking about how powerful it is, and this is the energy point where you store it all, and yes, it can go up and move, but that's where we store it. Wouldn't it make sense to not just have it go up? What happens when it goes down? What happens when it goes left, when it goes right, when it goes backwards, and it goes forward? And we just think about it one way in a linear fashion, we're losing all our potential of lower energy. Oof, that was good. So martial arts, again probably really helps you with that groundedness. Oh, completely. Yeah. What would you recommend to the listeners? What are some easy ways to get yourself grounded? Qigong and breath work. 
your breath work can become meditation. I'm not going to discount meditation because I meditate a lot, but completely, I change your perception of what you think about meditation, get rid of it. Mm. And just learn some breath work. Your breath work will become meditation. And this is something as simple as anybody can do. I can give a quick intro right now. It doesn't take long. Yeah. If I were to tell you to breathe through your nose, ask you to, and we start with a count of in, two, three, four. That's through your nose. Hold your breath. Out, two, three, four. And then we have a little more advanced. Now we're going to breathe in. In, two, three, four. Now hold your breath, but now we're going to hold it for a hold of two, three, four. Now you're going to breathe out through your mouth. Out, two, three, four. So you have a way to train the breath in, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, hold, breathing out. Then you have what we call the square breath, where it'll be breathing into your nose, two, three, four, holding it. And then this will be a hold for two, three, four. Then out, two, three, four, hold two, three, four. Mm. So it's like forming a square. So as we call square breathing. So the, those basic breathing techniques, you know, are used all over the world, just that alone, w- whether it's from a runner, somebody prepping for a fight, somebody getting ready, you know, a, a sniper needing to shoot a gun. It's calms the heart down, especially with square breathing. It lowers your center and your body starts feeling really, really good from basic breath holding that's not even crazy breathing we're not doing you know yolk fire breathing you know in through the nose only we're not doing any more intense breathing like a dmt breath that i teach i teach two breaths in one through the stomach one through the heart and then you breathe out so it's so you know and we're and then there's a thing called the retention you'll breathe everything out then we'll breathe everything in then we'll suck our sex organs all the way up towards our spine we're sucking our printing up as if your belly button trying to touch your spine and it'll have a retention hold. And the people, you'll have any experience from visions to getting a little bit dizzy, they can pass out. But when you breathe out, it's like waves, energy, and movement through your whole body. And now we're getting to more psychoactive breathing. So you would say that breath work is one of the most accessible and easy, instantaneous grounding techniques. Oh, completely. Because without, without breathing, there is no Qigong. Without breathing, there is no magic. Without breathing, all these things we have access to, we don't have access to because mm. I have to breathe in order to access energy because while chi, chi, and prana, mana, and all these terms for this energy, it does mean energy, but the main characterization or the secondary lettering of a lot of these words means breath. Mm. So the chi is accessed through the breath. This energy is accessed through the breath. Magic is accessed through the breath. So depending on how you're breathing, your intent, your visualization, what you're learning and what you want to achieve, if you don't breathe, one, you can't do it. And if you don't breathe, we're fucking dead. <laughs> yes, this is true. You know, it's funny because I've done breath work before, but I'm learning a lot about it lately. I'm getting a little bit more deep in it. I always learn from all of my guests. I mean, this is just a fascinating experience that I get to have on this show. And I would have probably thought for most of my spiritual development that breath work would be of the higher chakras. So it's interesting that it is grounding because it's that it's like the OG source, like you just said. It always begins with breath. It is interesting because it does feel like breath work is more accessible than meditation, even for most people. That then proves that it's, to me, the lower chakra, right? Is that 
But then again, you were just saying that the higher chakras are easier to get to sometimes. So I don't know. I just think we abandon the lower chakras more easily. I think that's what it is. Exactly. Because if I, and that's why I don't just jump people in to some of the heavier breathing, you know, where we're going rapid breathing or high breathing, because, you know, it'll start to stimulate way up here. So we start slowly breathing in through the crown and now we're working our way down instead of working our way up. Breathe it in and then now breathe it out. So learning how to circulate it. And even one of the most simplest um, breathing techniques is microcosmic orbit. I'll breathe in through my nose. It's coming down through my crown, down my spine. And then I'm breathing out. It's going through the front of my body, up my spine, through the front and back out. So this is a circular breathing that goes up and down. And then you can reverse it. So you're learning how to access it from multiple directions and how to circulate in the body so that's all interconnected, that one does not leave the other. You're breathing in one way, you're breathing out the other. So you're always, you know, taking those polarities of left and right, black and white, you know, front or back. It's being worked evenly so you're not overstimulated and you're actually cultivating real power. On that real quick, do you think that Earth is the only polarity planet or is the whole universe and the whole enchilada? This is what I would call a pivoting point that some people need to cross through this dimension, cross through this planet. And because it's the pivot point, that's why so many entities and so many beings and aliens, extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them, are so intrigued by this planet and the multiple dimensions. Like imagine Earth being a dimensional freeway or highway. There's so many lanes and crossroads and there's so many traveling points here that's like, so many doors access other dimensions, other universes are found right here on earth. And that's why, you know, it's such a thing because it, it's, it's a game changer. So all of the places have their place too, but earth is like, you're crossing by, you know, that ship goes through and like, Oh, what planet is this? <laughs> it's like, Whoa, my God, what is this? So they, they see that there's something here and that's why, you know, it makes earth so attractive. But what is the something? That's here. The something is that this, you know, this place has been so experimented on, so much work has been done. Earth has been rebuilt and destroyed so many times that now the old foundation, the new foundations, they're literally have they've merged together. So mm-hmm. doors and access to knowledge and power and things other beings can have access to that maybe one of their enemies or nemesis came through here first. That there's so much to do here right now. And that something that maybe we have access to that isn't ours access. Literally, I mean, we're not supposed to access it, but we're accessing it. And that's, that's it's causing a change in human evolution. That's causing indigo children. That's causing the autism. That's causing a lot of things to happen that maybe should happen for some, but not for everybody. And so you have this conscious awakening, this conscious closing. So because it's like this pendulum and, you know, and, and you have all this power and access from all the work has been, um, I don't want to say done anymore, but all the work that's being done and all the influence here from, you know, the millions and billions of years and things that science doesn't want to recognize that a lot of people say is totally legitimate, that now we are a big glowing celestial time bomb. We're in like a perpetual liminal space almost. Yeah. And so even within the limit of the unlimitedless, and then all I see, you know, when I'm really just observing, going back to those visions of what I've been shown, we have so many gods and beings and 
entities and power and and people watching or known as watchers, these creatures or these enlightened ones or these dark ones. There's so much here right now. It's like when it comes time to explode, if this veil is loose, if these dimensions open up, if some of these creatures or these people, these beings or these gods get what they want, or these alien structures coming and working for themselves or working for others, we're going to see things that are not what they've seen. And if the eyes really get open, then what you want to say is Draconians, Arturians, Palladians, whatever some of these are or they're not. With these congressional hearings going on and things with UFOs, there's going to be an admittance that people are, are you know, they will go back to, as if I'm, you know, talk about Will Smith's Independence Day. People are going to realize we're not alone. And that's going to cause an upheaval. And then, you know, this is me to everybody right now. And so I apologize if it's offended, but uh, watch LDS Church get involved. Watch the Vatican, you know, really come forward and get involved. People and big organizations, they have secrets, they have knowledge, they know stuff we don't know. They're trying to keep it hidden. We're in a day and age now, the time to hide, it's almost gone. But a lot of people who want the truth, the truth comes out. And here's the biggest thing, you want the truth, but a lot of people are not going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Why do you think that big structures like the Vatican end, end, end hide the truth from us? Because everything they teach goes to pieces. Everybody's belief and Yosef, Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever you want to call the, the more the Christian life figures, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And no that means it, the followers fall to pieces. Everybody's belief system, their psychology, their spirituality, their emotion, their identity is gone. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. all that power, all that money is gone too. Yeah. The power and the money, of course. Aliens. Do you communicate with them? And I'm specifically talking about like what we define as ETs. Then I want to say 100% yes. I communicate with things way beyond this world and with some of the work that I do. When it comes to access to knowledge, to beings that are presented to me, not just in teaching me more martial arts stuff or correcting me, but also the symbolic of that symbol's wrong, change it. Mm. And, and, and showing where that symbol come, came from and showing me how to move about. And also at times, you know, just sitting with me in deep meditation, just know that I'm worthy of the presence. And then they want to observe me and they let me observe them. Can you see them with your naked eye or is this all? Oh, completely. Within... Okay. So this isn't just within like a mental space. Oh no, this is 100% fully illuminated sometimes holographic looking and other times full 3d. And is this while you're only on plant medicine or something? No, nope. okay. this is simply, I sit down, I breathe. And when I'm ready, time is done when I've done a caution record work. And other times it's done when I'm simply, you know what, like I'm, I'm ready to receive what masses of teachers will present themselves to me. And I'll ask, you know, I'm ready for the teacher or I'm ready for a deeper understanding. I ask that the universe give me access. Okay. Let me ask you a question. So let's say you start working with a pendulum and you feel like it's pretty calibrated, right? You're sitting there and you're like, show me a yes. And it's a solid yes. Every time it's solid. No, every time. Yes. And you start asking questions about like, you know, you try to trick it even in your calibration process. Like you're Uh like, you know, am I a hundred years old? No, you know, like shit like that. Right. So then you start connecting with, let's say your guides prior to your pendulum session. And you say, Hey guides, 
that are the ones that are for me. Let's work with this pendulum and let's answer some of these questions I have. And let's say you do it a few times and then you find out later that all the yeses were actually no's and the no's were actually yeses. What would you do if that happened to one of your students? What would you tell them? Because you just said, you know, you're sitting down with your, I don't know if you call them guides, but they basically do guide you. They're like, don't do that drawing that way or whatever. How did you get to the point where you could trust them? Because in, in this example I'm giving you, it feels that person would be like, I can't trust my guides because I tried to and look at all this happened. And then it was bullshit. They could have been making the assumption that they were guides. And, and that's where a lot of people get led astray and, and, and the things that they think that what they're talking to was good. They're under the assumption that, they, that these things are there for their betterment. But these, you know, these might be demons. They might be little devil angels. They might be whatever you want to call them. These dark entities that are present themselves as something and they have knowledge. They, they do have power. So they give you a little bit, but then you start to trust and they start to feed off of you. And then the, the last two them say, yeah, they get mad. But then it's like, good, you're angry. Give us your anger. Give us your hate. Mm-hmm. And then you start going towards darker magic. You start moving into darker realms because that's what they wanted because that's where they feed the best. And, if, and you know these are really guiding true masters, true teachers, real guides, real angels, whatever it is, okay? They will not lead you astray. You will not have an answer that is wrong unless you're subconscious and you resist and you try to force the other way. They will give you access. They will give you honesty and truth and lead you into the right path. So unless you don't like the answer, is my wife cheating on me? Yes. And you don't want the answer. And that's why I go back to awareness, the awareness and discernment to really be, you know, take the breath, do it again. And sometimes if you need to ask that question three or four times and see was your hand position out of that angle? Were you soft? Were you tense? And then if you get the answer every single time and it feels right, ask the question a couple more times differently, but you know, you know what you're looking for. And that way it's like a triple blind study. You're doing it yourself. You got the same answer. So you can feel right about it. So that's something I'd want people to do is, Hey, start over. And then I'll ask them, tell me a little about your guide. What do they say to you? What do they tell you? With energetic and magic that I do, I'll ask permission so I don't just do it. Where do you fill them? I fill it here. You know, so do I have permission to do what I do in my Qigong and Reiki and energy clearing that I do as if it's doing exorcism? You know, I, I don't like using that word because the, the religious connotation behind it, but something's being removed. There's been tears of crying. And I'll tell them afterwards, how do you feel now? And they're like, I feel great. What, mm-hmm. what happened? That wasn't a guide, man. That, that was a leech. That was an entity eating off of you. I watched a show once where this woman, she was having all kinds of health issues. She went everywhere to every doctor she could. And they were just like, we can't figure it out. And then eventually she came across some kind of shaman or whatever. And he told her that she had a little demon on her back. And I think she used the word demon because she knew that's what would sh- she would understand within her framework. Yes. I don't know if that's necessarily the word he would use, but yeah. he was just like, you have this little thing. And so he did essentially what you just said. I'm sure his own style of that. And yeah. after it was done, all of her health issues went away. So what, how does that happen? How do you get a little demon on you like that? You know, and, and I imagine more people than we realize have them. When people are searching, it's like, um, I, I'll use something really awesome that Denzel Washington say. I know Denzel Washington is, you know, is a hardcore Christian, 
but I love what the way he presented this teaching. When the devil stops knocking at your door, like I, I, you're not having these problems, he said, you know, he said you should be worried. You should always be worried if if you don't feel the pressure, if you don't feel like the scrutiny, if you're not feeling attacked a little bit, even if you're protected. You know, now, now I'm gonna paraphrase this. That's when you should be worried, because that's when these entities and the devil know they have you. So, so if you don't feel resistance. If you don't feel something, if you don't feel like something, even if you're protected, if you don't feel something pounding or something knocking, then whatever is there, it has you. And the spiritual community needs to fucking stop that they have it so right. If you have it so right, then tell me, why are you still suffering and passing suffering on to others? Because hmm. if you're feeling the pressure, you're doing something right. If you're not feeling the pressure, something's off. And that's hmm. how it happens. You want this energy? You want this magic? Did you take the right steps or did you jump ahead? And then did you did you do a word that, that even maybe a, a wicked book might even tell you, don't practice this until you've done this practice for at least six months. Get used to the meditation. Get used to the breathing. Get used to the circle. Oh, I got it. You jump ahead and now some little creature, some little entity comes under your shoulder. Mm. Something starts whispering in your ear. Something gets into your heart and then you think that, that, you know, you got all these great supporters, but it, it's a leech. It's the whole yeah. entire time. It's, it's not been pure. Yeah. In the paranormal world, this comes up all the time, right? Like when they're doing ghost hunts and, and stuff at, at really, let's say like these sanatoriums and these like horrible places where many, many people died and were abused. There's often energy or People call them different things, entities, demons, uh-huh. that feed off of fear specifically. And so their whole goal is to get you in a state where you're feeling fearful so that they can have a nice meal. Exactly. From your hungry ghost. <laughs> yeah, hungry, hungry ghost. So from your position, is that just like a different brand of an energetic being? And are, you know, are they good? Are they bad? Like, how do you perceive that? If something has to feed off you to survive, it's not good. It's not good, <laughs> but I mean, are they intrinsically bad? You know, like how, how I wouldn't say intrinsically bad. Sometimes you know they, they haven't been able to pass on if they're bound, or maybe they're giving the pain to others because that's only that's the pain they're living. And in order you know to survive, they need that pain so they don't go into some dark, undisciplined place that we might equate to the word hell. But if they're cleared out, if they're given an opportunity to be made aware, especially on these ghost hunts. Or these people come in to get rid of them. Who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? Do you want to cause pain? A lot of them say yes. The energy is um, malicious at best, but it's not because it actually wants to. It's all that it knows because that's what it was given and it doesn't know how to move on. But then when it gets a chance to move out and the energy is cleared, they don't want to be there. Most energy doesn't know because it's already in a state of fear. It's in a spiritual fear. So if it's in a spiritual fear, it doesn't know how to go to the light. If there is a light, it doesn't know how to let go because say if a woman was, was raped and killed, if a man was killed or whatever happened to the structure of it, and they're there in that house and it's haunted, their energy was put under extreme duress. They were killed in a traumatic state. So at that high level of stress and the problem of the energy, what else is it going to do but duplicate it? Yeah. What about something that's not a human that's passed on. What are your ideas about like negative energy happening in a place that it creates a portal, so to speak? Oh, completely. That means that portal has to be closed. The energy in the house or the area, that portal, love vortex, it has to be shut. 
because you know, like that means anything that you know that's there that created that portal, they have to be cleansed. They have to be moved. They have to either move on, or you literally have to destroy them so the energy can move into something better or different. Whether it's one thing, that's also a doll. You want to talk about like some movies, Annabelle. Yeah. Anything from a doll to a coin, anything that energy can be attached to, and people don't get this either. There's this girl that I worked with years ago. Her sister started having problems. They're like a 15-year difference. Her mom had kids quite a few years apart. Her dad had sexually abused her while she held onto her doll. Mm. Her dad had passed on, but she forgot about it. But then she gave this little doll to her little sister. Her little sister started being touched in the middle of the night by a force she couldn't see. Mm-mm. The doll itself was a portal because she held on the, the one that held on the doll while she was abused. Dad passes away. She forgets about it, but then she gives a doll to her little sister. The doll, because all that pain, as you know, was trying to comfort, hold the doll when dad hurt me. The doll became a portal for dad's energy to cross over. So the doll has to be destroyed because that was dad's access back in to keep on harming the children. It's all about energy, really. Just like yeah. where, where it's being stored and how it's being expressed. And that's why for me, dolls, books, blankets, I, I don't care what it is, anything that means something to you, protect it. Because those things are either access for good things or it's access to bad energy. So if bad things happen, what do you attach to? And this would be like a cleansing of your home to go through what's meaningful to me. Anything that's meaningful, don't have too many of them. I like that sounds weird or sound like, man, I want all these little memoirs of, of things. No, whatever is the most meaningful to you, keep it. And if it's not something you want to have forever, get rid of it or pass it on. Because the more you have connected to, the more something else can attach to it. So the less you have and if something comes up, you'll know what to look for. How can you protect your stuff from not being affected? Put them on altars, protect the crystals. Palo Santo, Sage Daily. There's plenty of things that are very simple to keep the energy, to keep the energy cleared and have absorbers. You know, have your obsidian ready. I say have your crystals ready, sound bowl, vibrate. I mean, there's very basic things that aren't complicated. That might take five to 10 minutes a day to do a cleansing of sage and Palo Santo in the house and to always make sure to charge and recharge crystals. Back to the ghost land. What would be your advice to people who are going on a ghost hunt to protect themselves? Like, let's say they're going somewhere that's remarkably haunted and you know there's going to be some activity and they're sensitive. What would you recommend? Don't be religious. Don't be religious. At the moment, if you are religious, don't be religious. Don't bring your crosses. Don't bring up Jesus. Don't bring up because they will use it against you to make you question your faith. Remember, I don't have to believe what anybody else believes in. I just know how the energies work. They'll reinforce you believe just to go, ha, ha, ha. They really thought that worked. And I'm so many exorcisms, so many cleansing of houses don't work. And the people think, man, why do I have to move? Like, why is it happening again? I thought the priest took care of it because of outside their scope and practice. Go in with tools the universal. Go in with your Palo Santo. Go in with your salt. Go in with your tobacco. Go in with the most ancient practices known to man. But don't go into religion. These demons are not about religion. These entities, vortex are not about religion. They're about what works. And look at across, across the table, what works. If every culture, every religion, every place of theology has a common ground. And if you do that, you'll be safe. Sage, Palo Santo, tobacco, 
sound bowls, salt. It's really easy to get rid of these things. It's not as complicated, but if you start working more powerful entities, then that will have to be something for another podcast, but I can go in detail. <laughs> High-level demon work, entity work, it is a touchy subject because that does get into incantations, that does get into ritual work, it does get into ceremonial work because if they're strong and if they're old and if they have more lives than us and if they're older than us, and if you're dealing with something you think is a demon, but it's paranormal, I separate them, or maybe it's extraterrestrial and it's a different you know, entity than what we perceive as Mr. Great Anne, as something different, then even that's not going to work. And you're going to have to deal with some high magic. Yeah. We're going to have to put a pin in that, <laughs> but I'd love to talk with you again, if you're open to it. Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. You just said something like you would separate out the paranormal from, did you say demon or, yeah, you know, or, or another entity, you know, the great, great aliens or whatever. What about Faye? You know, we also talked about vampires, but what about Faye? Like, some people put all of that shit together and they say, oh no, it's all Faye. What do you think about that? I think people want to go into a whole with Faye, like, like, like deep in the fairyland, is that there's so many stories that are so beautiful and also so dark that it's really easy to put it all together. But it's also uh, for some, it's an avoidance technique. If it's all one, then it can't be the other. And if it can't be the other, it's the denial of what exists. And then if that means that if it's just the Fae, then the aliens couldn't exist. The different race of aliens couldn't exist because that would be outside of their scope too. So I do believe that they believe the Fae exist, but just like with all these other energies, entities and demons, et cetera, like it's all based upon the dimension, the realm or the doors that are open and where we're at and if we're ready for it. Some people are ready for the Fae. Some people aren't. Some people are ready for vampires and and more, some aren't. And some people feel right in the middle. They just simply want to understand. And then they want access to knowledge and power to understand the great mysteries. So they embrace it all. In that way, they, when they embrace, even like say with me, I embrace all that shit, 100%. But I still see the places in between. There's rules. There's regulations. The face have rules they can't break. Vampires and witches have rules they can't break. And when something's broken... There's always an order. There's always some type of assembly. There's always a coven to put them in check because if somebody goes rogue, it exposes us all. And what do you mean by exposing us all? Like, what does that mean? If, if there's people who are being protected, if there's knowledge that's hidden away from science and the government or whoever it is, if there's things that are meant to be kept away because it's meant for preservation and it's only meant for the initiate, and then people come for it, it can be put into the wrong hands. And people, you know, their lives be at risk because somebody want to be like, hey, look what we're doing. Well, now you just put the CIA, the FBI, Interpol, any other agency group or some paranormal militant group on their ass because somebody got cocky, somebody got sloppy. And then if the people, these realms are meant to be protected, they're meant to be kept safe. So this knowledge can keep on going. There are protectors of humanity. What happens if those protectors are lost and those protectors are killed off? So when I say expose, it takes somebody showing themselves to a little girl. And all of a sudden, that little fairy or little being runs off. What if she never sees them again? But what if that was enough interest because that little girl was not supposed to see that there was no intervention and she grows up to be a hunter 
I know I'm going a little bit extreme right now because she was so sure. I want to find them. Does she want to find them because she wants to know more about them? Or does she, or her fascination lead to the destruction of a race or a people because that little wave, that little hello was breaking the rule because she wasn't an initiate. She wasn't meant to see. On that, do you think that aliens will come to like the public arena in our lifetime? I, I really believe that after this congressional hearing, we're going to see more within the next year or so. I say next year or so, because now the things we talked about and that and the more records are being open, I wouldn't be surprised if some people or group or a ship or something made an appearance that it hit worldwide news. And in that case, would you think that that's a negative exposure? No, no. If anything, I think it's a positive exposure because just like the coronavirus, just like other stuff, it's going to bring fear. It's going to bring up psychosis. It's going to bring up fascination. It's going to bring up awe. It's going to bring religion, philosophy. Everything is going to go kaboom. And I'm okay with that because you get to see where somebody's at. We really get to meet people where they're at because it, you know, these fears, they expose things that people hide. So in that case, the exposure is appropriate for the growth and, and yes. meaning that like we're all in an initiate stage that's appropriate for that kind of exposure. Yes, because if that happens, everybody has a chance to be initiated in higher consciousness and to go beyond the current belief system or to expand the current belief system. It gives opportunity for all. It's like, I'm holding my hand out. Hello, mothership. Or hello, Mr. Gray's, or whatever they look like, because there's multiple beings. I just use Gray's as like just like a crude term for all, and they're here. Now, what happens? That's what I look forward to. What will humanity choose to do when it's no longer in a movie, when it's no longer the X Files, when it's right in front of their face? What choices will they make for themselves and their family? That's a great question. Yeah, I'm curious. I think I hope you're right. I hope that they're like benevolent beings. There are some that are benevolent. There's plenty that aren't. But no matter which come, whether they're good or the bad, if they're good, people are going to be waiting for them to do something bad. If they're bad, it feeds into, see, they're all bad. We knew this was going to happen. We're being taken over. So no matter what happens, good or bad, yeah. there's going to be an evolution of some type. And you really feel like that's going to happen in the next 10 years? I really, really feel within the next year, two years the most, there's going to be some exposures and just shifts that are going to rock the world. I want to know after everything that you've told me, all of the experiences that you've had, what does a typical day look like for you? I get up, I have my meditation, I have my breath work, I have my hoppe. If I can get to the gym early, come back, eat. I have my emails, my programs, clients. I have a lot of video calls, emails and paperwork, breathwork training, going outside, going to a lake, going to waterfalls, more breathwork, more hot bay, more video calls. I take my notes. I, I expand upon my book that I'm writing right now. And then um, I process and I have group study sessions with clients at nighttime with some of my friends that are clients too. And we go through medicine and breath work and um, deep philosophical talk. We break down the world around us. And that's usually how I wrap up my night. That sounds amazing. Great job curating a cool life. (laughs) You explained that amazing experience that you had on shrooms. But I do like to usually ask people, almost all of my guests, I ask, what is the most profound spiritual paranormal woo experience you've ever had? Is that it? Or is there oh, another no. one? 
I was in a, a really nasty um, rollover. It, I believe it was it was 2008, like on the 24th of a December. So um, it, was, it was the night before Christmas. My ex was driving. I told her to slow down. She was going 85 miles an hour. Um, we're going up this mountain. And like, um, there's black ice, snow. I'm like, you need to slow down. And um, my daughter is about a year old. She was trying to rush back to her. I'm like, just please stop. Like, slow down, slow down. She hit the brake on black ice at about 85 miles an hour. There was a herd of deer in the road. We smashed through all the deer. And we rolled over the cliff 15 times. Like, our car rolled 15 times. I died. And, and, and in that death... You know, I was shown who was guiding the beings to me to protect me when I was being abused, who was there for me in my martial arts training. This powerful being was sitting there with glowing. I, I only equate it to imagine mixing a Jedi and a Sith together, but having no face that I could see and glowing symbols that look very Egyptian-like, but you know, what, what, what you might consider alien-looking, all around the holding a big powerful staff guiding my soul back to my body then holding me like with the with the sphere of light around me preserving me I, he was there in my in the hospital he was there like on, on the ride in the ambulance and then i went crazy i went crazy for about about a year and a half and that's what also helped lead to my divorce outside of everything i had already seen that was so significant to me that he showed me i've been there the whole time i guided them to protect you i told him to teach you and, and then when i said who are you he put his hand, I say he, put his hand over my heart. He says, you know, I'm your father. It's time to come home. What, what did that make you feel? When he put his hand on my heart, I saw myself in, in a royal throne room surrounded by what I could say is an assembly of gods. He showed me my seat. He says, you know, my gum, hopefully before this life is done, you'll take your seat again. And he asked me, bring us home. Bring what home? Bring them home. Bring them here. Bring who? The old blood, the old gods. They bring the old gods here to earth to unlock them because oh. they've been chained away. Bring the old gods that you met there here to earth. Yes. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. Let me ask me, son, bring us home. And when you say you went crazy for like a year and a half, what do you mean? What happened? Were you just not able to figure out what reality was? I was so dysfunctional. I mean, um, I, I would touch a table. I would see it as particles. I'd walk outside. I'd see like fucking like portals and look like dragons and, and shit going portal to portal. I'd see things in the air. Colors would change and it would go away. I would walk down the street. I, I'd see shadows holding on to people, walking at them and gnawing at their feet and it'd go away. So like, it's like whatever happened at that moment from death and what I would say, you know, my spiritual, actual real father is this powerful being. My bell was lifted on and off constantly. I couldn't control it. How did you learn how to control it? I had one of my teachers teach you some, you know, deeper meditation. Said, "No, you're already way beyond most people." He says, "But now I got to teach you something that I normally would only teach high level masters, but there's no other way." So he taught me some really advanced meditations that made that part better and controlled, but then it made other things worse. Because I was I was capable of handling it, but then I had I had to deal with accessing higher energy with the meditation. So it was it was sort of playing with a double edged sword. Yeah, and then that NDE that you had basically got you to leave your wife and change your life. Yes, Is that right. 
And so do you still see portals opening up outside and things like that? All I, all I have to do is just look up and breathe. And then I, I, I see anything open. It's just the choice of when I want to do it. So you've, you've got it under control now. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That's nice. Cause that sounds awful. <laughs> nice to be able to turn it on and off when you want to. Cause I, I wouldn't want to have to see all that all the time. That would be excruciating. Yeah, yeah. But that was that level of insanity of, of this can't be real. I know, I know things have been shown to me, but this can't be real. This can't be real because it was so much. It was just overwhelming, but still going back to, to be able to see just that being just had been there the whole entire time and to show me exactly where I came from and who I am and what I'm meant to do on this earth. That changed everything. I know you offer some services because of, you just explained how your day goes and everything. What do you offer and does it have to be in person or can it be? Oh, no. It, 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 so right now, 95% of all my clients are video call. Video call. And what exactly do you do? I do energetic clearing. I'll do karmic clearing. I'll do full-on chakra and alignment work from a distance. I'll run it through breath work, breath work sessions. And then we go into more methods of learning and releasing by asking the right questions and helping them come to their own answers, working through past trauma, current trauma, and the avoidance of not needing to go into future trauma. So it's a lot of deep healing work, a lot of breath work, a lot of energetic work. And then when they want me to go a little bit deeper, then we'll go deeper into the esoteric if they choose to. I told you it was going to get weird. What do you think? Do you believe all of these things could happen to a single human being in this quote unquote reality that we share? I wanted to say a quick note here about the sex magic and the porn Just to be clear, neither John or I are saying that sex or sex with multiple people is a negative act. We're also not saying that watching porn is intrinsically bad. It's what happens when we become addicted to the act of it and we give away our power to it that energetically takes away our life force, focus, and ability to connect. That's the part that John and I were trying to say, and I don't know if that came across correctly or not, but I just wanted to make sure that there was no shaming of particular lifestyles. You can check out everything John is up to on his website, godswhospeak.com, and that'll be in the show notes for this episode. You can get a hybrid energy treatment, a distance energy session, or a kundalini awakening, astral realm work, divine alignment package. So those are the three that are offered on his website, and you can contact him directly at godswhospeak at gmail.com. Marinate in that for a while. Take care of yourselves. Next week, there is a full moon on Tuesday the 14th, I believe. We have Litha coming up on the 20th for those of you who are fellow witches or pagans. Exciting stuff is happening. Take care of yourselves and I'll be back with you next week with more woe. Bye. Thank you for following The Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow The Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. 
You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 